everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 619, being recorded on March 10, 2021. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. <laughs> I'm Josh what a catastrophe. <laughs> I approve the I approve that cat butt message. I'm gonna be Brett Van Spurnberg tonight. And I used to wish I was Joshua Walrath, but no more. I'm yeah, Ken no Burgess. More. Yeah, nobody I mean Josh is special. But, you know, it's our differences that make life worth living and stuff like that. You can subscribe to find out when we go live for things like this. At why, why would people do that? I don't know. Slash subscribe. PCPro.com slash subscribe. You can be alerted before live events take place. I saw the email at about 9.15 tonight. So exactly one hour before we actually started the show. Because it's now 10.15. On the East Coast, you can support this site, and I honestly, at this point, I, we're not making a great case for it, but you could do it anyway, and be recognized <laughs> for it. We appreciate all of our patrons, patreon.com slash pcper. Uh, Brett, do we have anybody to add to the honor roll? You know, we do, and this was uh, formerly Numbers Dude, because his name used to be 199-299-399-499, probably guess what comes next. He's uh, since changed his name to Mr. Shiloh, and he wants to wish a happy belated birthday to Rebecca from her favorite PC person. I'm not sure what that part means, but it sounds hey, like it's it a means something to them. It happy does. birthday, Rebecca. That's important. Belated. Happy belated yeah, How do you birthday, know Rebecca. that you're her favorite? You know, he apparently obviously Maybe she I'm, said so. I'm her favorite. I should have announced that. Her favorite yeah. PC person. What does that he mean? Did, yeah. I'm sorry, Josh. Actually, he did want you to announce that. So we can do a personalized Happy, message. What's her name again? Hold on. Let me go Rebecca. to camera two. Rebecca. Happy birthday. I hope you get all the PC parts you've ever desired. He's getting a serious Marilyn Monroe vibe there, Josh. So hmm. Yeah, no. Great job. Speaking of Josh. Josh like the handsome Squidward, sure. more like. I wasn't sure the show was just going to stay R-rated. I'm I was, glad it was you got that away. sultry delivery. It was. Uh, with I, was I was afraid. This is the time of our show every week where uh, if we have been blessed by a burger update on Twitter, Josh mm. explains his weekly sojourn to the local uh, burger place. Laramie, Wyoming, yeah, Josh, go. Laramie, Wyoming, go visit it. Tell him Josh Walrus sent you. If that ever happens. So anyway, uh, this was kind of a special week. I uh, uh, didn't have a great weekend. I mean, it was a nice weekend, but but Sunday rolled around. We went out to the backyard and we cleaned up a whole winter full of dog dew, <laughs> and that was that was a lot of fun. And, and by the end of it, we were all pretty pretty exhausted, and uh, so we decided to, to you know what. Let's go have a burger. So I had a Sunday night taco burger. And even though we talked about other things earlier, that's not what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. The taco burger. In between two buns, we have first a topping of lime, spiced sour cream. The next layer is freshly sliced avocados pepper jack cheese the first 
four ounce beef patty. Under that, a layer of fresh cut jalapenos sitting on top of another slice of pepper jack cheese, a second burger patty, and then the bun. And that, my friends, is the taco burger. It was extraordinary. It's quite good. I, I, uh, no, actually, I forgot. Right burger. I forgot. There? Yeah, that was that was it. Oh. At the very bottom, under the second patty and in between the bun, is taco meat spices. So you know the the spices that you usually put in the meat that you stir up and and fry to make tacos. Well, they have a layer of that at the bottom. And it's 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 delightful. It's exquisite. You should try it, but you have like one day left to do so. Mm. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, the picture just shows lettuce. There's no. What are you talking about? There's no lettuce. Are you hallucinating? I think we're looking at the wrong photo. This is the no, photo I had. I, I yeah, can smell the avocado. I, Immediately, because yeah. I hate avocado, That's, and I knew what they were there's now there's no fries. I just see a piece of lettuce where the fries should be. I had a salad because oh. we cleaned okay. up poo and yeah. Okay, no, I, I had a so salad. So you had. I hope the there was more than thaw. just that one piece of lettuce. Yeah, there was more than that one piece of lettuce, <laughs> and also we had pub pub chips, which are freshly, um, what's well, potato chips made on site that they fry there daily. So they're seasoned, wonderful, perfect, fresh potato chips made in-house. Very good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I was very full by the time I left. Let's move right into the news where we have a few topics tonight. Let's, Let's start with one that's not, maybe not the most talked about tech story of the last week. We'll get to that soon. But first on the list... A most delicious rumor for Microsoft Surfaces, or AMD, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Last year, we, we finally saw in the 15-inch models the choice that you could pick Intel or AMD. This was a big change for Microsoft because when you talk about being a vertical silo, they, they've got a patent on it. And so even... The, the original uh, Ryzen 7 3780 uh, that they put in, or the, the, uh, there was a Ryzen 5 option as well, it was a specific Microsoft Surface Edition processor. We never knew exactly what that meant, at least as far I never did find out what it was, other than it specced to what it needed to be for a Surface. There is a rumor, and... As far as rumors go, this one is way out there because it's based on a specification sheet that a reseller saw from another dealer. So it, it's kind of my second cousin's brother's cousin's roommate's sister-in-law type thing saw this. But if true, we're going to see the 13 and a half inch model of the Surface added to this. So you'll be able to pick up a Ryzen 5 4680U or a Ryzen 7 4890U or 4980U, again, a specific Surface Edition, maybe, probably is likely to be soldered, but hey, you never know. And so it gives you a little bit more choice when you're dealing with the new uh, Surface 4. 
There is one small benefit if you decide to go with Tiger Lake, though, which is what the uh, Surface Laptop 4 is going to have on the Intel side. The AMD models cap out at 16 gigs of RAM, the Intel at 32, and the AMD has up to a 512 gigabyte SSD where you can get a full terabyte with the Intel one. Uh, I suspect this is because the, the processors are spec'd in such a way by Intel that there's enough power overhead, thermal overhead, or just, you know, overhead to convince uh, Microsoft to stick with that. But hey, it's, it's lovely to see choices. And, you know, considering what we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, you might be really happy to be able to choose that Ryzen version. Mm-hmm. Any more comment on this? I applaud additional Ryzen options. It's a yes. good buy. It's good to have choice. I, I have no additional comment at this time. All right. The, the gentleman uh, from Wyoming. <laughs> the chair recognizes time. the gentleman from Wyoming. <laughs> uh, quickly, I was just going to say, you're, you're a witness. Quickly, Microsoft is, uh, I guess, I, we'd heard about this last year, I thought, and it's official, I guess. They've completed their acquisition of... Bethesda. Bethesda. What up with that? It got EU approval. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't official until uh, the EU closed on it. I think the the most interesting thing about this is the exclusives. I mean, you got to expect it when you shell out $7.5 billion. (laughs) Because let me tell you how many exclusives Xbox has right now with their Xbox Series S. Well, you said Series S. Uh, X. Say series S. X doesn't have any exclusive. No, I really? said X. Huh. I said X. Oh, you said S. I've not been. Maybe I slurred it, but anywhere it's X. Series it like, X. It sounded like cat anus from here. I wasn't sure. Mm. Series no. X. Mm. Yeah, that's a totally different excuse. Good. It is. So yeah. you know, what are you going to do when you are going up against Sony, and your your guns are empty? You need you're going to buy Zenimax, and you're going to release sure. Elder Scrolls Six on Xbox yeah. One initially. That could be mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, but now or, we uh, live in a world where if Bethesda's dialogue wasn't already bad enough, now it's going to be written by the AI that handles Cortana. We I buried the lead. There. We buried the lead the this future week. Is, we did, and I don't know why, but. Anyway, the number one story clearly is Anand's tech in the news because of a review they published. And normally, that would be a big deal. They always have the latest Intel processor review. But think back to a time before Intel sampled CPUs to internet media outlets. I know that young Anand actually had to buy his Pentium 2 or his dad. I think he said his dad actually bought it. For his review, but that was a long time ago. Uh, apparently, fast forward to 2021. I remember when Tom's Hardware got their first Pentium 2. And oh, it yes. was like a six-month previous leak. So he released a very, very early Pentium 2. Mm-hmm. And then Sharky's did that with the Athlon. Yeah, they the did. Latches. Oh, they got an ES and, uh, Athlon? Interesting. Yeah, and there and it was, it was bad performing. It was worse than a K63. Uh, but then come to find out that had been had like had the cache disabled on it or something, but it wasn't running in final form. And obviously 
the Athlon 550 turned out to be the fastest CPU on the planet by a long shot. But going ahead. Yes, going ahead to this Core i7-11700K review, which Dr. Ian Kutras published for non-tech on March 5. It was five Seems days early. ago. It's a bit early considering, <laughs> you know, this product isn't released yet and, uh, you know, embargo's not up on reviews, but there was a not German what, retailer. Until what, the 30th? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, actually. He talks about it in here. Yes, yeah, the 30th, yeah, I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, 30th, March 30th. So they took advantage of the fact that a certain German retailer was selling these early. Oops. And so a number of people have purchased these. We saw some reviews, like sort of not like not reviews, but previews, performance previews from people just on the internet testing these early. A- amateurs. Right. But then then Ian got his hand on it. Mm. They just have the 11700K, I believe, because that's the only one that was being sold. Mm-hmm. They paid the equivalent of US $469 for it. So they're not comparing it to anything else in the family, but they don't, you know, they don't need to. This is, here's what's interesting about this too. If you're not familiar, the new Rocket Lake stuff tops out at eight cores because it's based on previous mobile architecture. They backported 10 nanometer mobile (coughs) to 14 nanometer desktop to get the clocks that they wanted and make it a desktop part. Well, obviously we've seen a progression. And the IPC improvement, right? Well, yeah, that's why they did it because... Yeah. They are getting a significant Need a next generation part. Yeah. Nothing? Okay. I thought somebody started talking. Come on, the flow. <laughs> Jeremy, okay. I thought you were going to say something. You interrupted the flow. Well, you said you needed, they needed next generation part, and I agreed by saying still. Oh, still. <laughs> oh, see, it's just too subtle. Too subtle that's a, for the podcast. Hey, I mean, now that I've drawn it out, I'll get hate mail. I'm just excited about the integrated graphics. Think about this is going to be my take preview spoiler for whenever we review this. And now it's old hat because obviously Anantech had the scoop by weeks, and so any review anybody else has is just like, oh yeah, well, here's this processor that you've all seen all the charts for for almost a month now. But I'm excited about the integrated graphics moving to the XE architecture. Because you can't buy a GPU, why not get better integrated graphics on the CPU you can actually buy? Why not? You have a point there. Basically, the, they, he frames this by saying that Intel's making the best of a bad situation, this whole backboarding thing. You can't deny. Like It's, it's however they want to spin it. As positive as you can make it sound and talk about the IPC uplift, you're still releasing a part that has fewer cores at the flagship level. So this 11700K, if I'm getting that name right, yeah. has the same core count as the Core i9 will this generation. So it at some point, it's just not going to make sense. Like eight cores, 16 threads for this price or eight cores, 16 threads for this higher price where the difference is probably <clears throat> mitigated by some very basic overclocking, like a couple hundred megahertz on the... I don't know what the base clock of the 11900K is offhand. It might be four uh, gigahertz. I think the difference is only 100 megahertz. That's what is I'm really that, remembering right that now. minimal? It's not big. Like, yeah, that was 5.2 to 5.3 at the top end. That's what I'm remembering. Okay, looking at this table, <clears throat> as I seamlessly <clears throat> cut away from my foolishness there. Oh, you know, the best it. part about that, the best part about that entire table, Yes. and let me tell you what it is, that 125-watt TDP 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. You, you had to go right, right it, for the spoken like a new AMD fan. Carry on. <laughs> you know, power limits actually have to be enforced on Intel's platform on the motherboard. That's what AMD, I was AMD, what is the limit? It's like 140 watts, right? And it just doesn't really ever exceed that on Ryzen. Like 139, 140 watts. Am I incorrect there, Josh? On um, Ryzen? Right. Sure. I guess if you've got a 5950 that it pulls around 140 at, at full blast. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, but it never really you know, officially 105 that. TDP one. Yeah. Right. But under no circumstances yeah. does it ever go over like 140. <clears throat> oh, no. You've got to really push it hard to do that. But, you know, under normal circumstances, if you have everything at stock, which, you know, the stock kind of changes with Ajisa. Yeah. It'd be nice. Oh, yeah, but I, I guess anyway. progress. Progress is painful. It's like birth. It's, it's all worth it in the end. Somehow. Yes. Like 24 years later when they finally move out of the house. But, uh, or wreck the car. One of the things might happen. Intel, the PL1, PL2 numbers, they're, they're something that are adjustable on the board. So you could set it to 125 max for your PL1 and PL2. And just and your performance it. is going to be exactly. If you look at any review where they measure performance over time, and you enforce power limits versus not enforcing power limits, well, the high clocks were sustained the entire time if the power limits were not engaged. It, you're, at that point, you're literally only battling, battling thermals. So if you have a beefy cooler, don't enforce any power limits. Yeah, your processor pulls 300 watts, but you get great performance all the time. It's like overclocking only. You know, it, it's. I, I think it's a little. It's perfectly fine. I think the. <laughs> the only problem to me is if your cooler can handle it. Because if if we're enthusiasts and we want more performance, uh, I would personally take what I consider, you know, trouble-free overclocking. The problem is that do, it's do you want to default? Do you want to see the ancestor to this to this chip? Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you have it. I had to actually go. Is that a slocket? Nope. No, it's the AMD oh. FX9590. The 200 watt or yep. yeah, 201 watt TDP, I think, is the official. And uh, it shipped with a double-sided, double-size 120 millimeter all-in-one cooler, which... It's sitting back there, but I don't feel like getting it. It's fair. But yeah, it was, it was stout cooling for the time, and it um, it often jumped in between <clears throat> the 4.7 and 5.0 uh, under load, under varying, varying circumstances. It would often, yeah, drop down. So it wasn't a fun chip to test, but it did hit those 5 gigahertz speed, and for the time... It competed well with the 3770K. And that's it. It's a small heater from AMD because they could. <laughs> I could never get it to consistently run without internally clocking itself down. I remember yeah. testing one. And it was like a you... sawtooth. Yes, exactly. And I thought there was something wrong with my system and I tried different <laughs> boards and different coolers and 
Like, no, it would hit What'd you do, Josh? Open the window? Down and... <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it stabled out. <laughs> yeah, now I... Yeah. Only in winter does it ever hit five consistently, see, in, hmm. in a room yeah. specially prepared. But I found out around here that power supplies don't like to boot up if they're, like, colder than 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre thing. You know, I, I hmm. went back in, the, back in the day when my house was not nearly as heated and I lived in a different one. And it was probably in the 40s in the back room. And I was like, oh, I'm going to overclock this like the wind. Turn it on, doesn't boot. Got to let it warm up. Then take it back. Then it'll boot. But, yeah, anyway. This, by the way, this is, this is the workload with the sawtooth effect. Well, and it's just, this is the way that this workload is presented on this chart, but uh, Ian has this custom benchmark. It's based on, I guess, his university research. AVX 512, very, very heavy benchmark that hits these 280, 290 watt peaks. They're not sustained, Ooh. but the processor is hitting that number. So it's ridiculous, but I mean, we've all, we've talked about this 300 watt number, kind of like that's the theoretical max if you don't enforce any limits. So I'm guessing he's doing this like out of box state. I thought that was um, kind of his take on the whole PL1, PL2, Tau thing was... Hey, if the motherboards are shipped this way, we test this way. Other other tests are not as extreme, but, I mean, here's POV Ray. I'll just show that real quick. Because it seems like all anybody wants to talk about is the power draw here. So let's forget about performance to talk about power draw. Uh, power is is high. Temperature uh, I is... Can, I can bring up something else. High. Yes. Why AVX 512 on a desktop part? To differentiate from the competition? That's something that they point to. This has been a bullet point for a year, a couple of years now, where Intel I mean, AVX2 is only now just starting to get some, you know, true momentum in the consumer space. And even then, it's limited. I mean, AVX, sure, there's more stuff that supports it, but still, it's, you know, FMA3 is far more supported it's just <clears throat> ssc4 but yeah they're they're pushing abx 512 and i guess that you know if you're talking chicken and the egg you should do it but holy cow does that beat the crap out of the cpu thermals just the way they have it set up and, and just the the physics behind those kind of calculations i don't know i think yeah. it's 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 a bridge too far but, look at you know look what? at this it's same a... same CPU AVX two versus AVX five twelve like you're saying AVX two two hundred twenty four point five six watts peak draw and then you move up to AVX five twelve and you're hitting two hundred ninety one so yeah I mean I mean you you're gaining performance there is no doubt about it if you've got native AVX five twelve code it it I mean it 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 runs but. And it has advantages over AVX2. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it just seems like it's a couple of years too early for desktop. Maybe I'm just being, 
I don't know, contrarian because that's what I'm paid to do. But, you know, the software support isn't there in the consumer space because there's going to be one set of desktop processors that support it. And there are drawbacks to it thermally. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's again, chicken and the egg. I mean, if, if you don't put it out there, people don't develop for it. But at the same time, people will look at the complexity of AVX 512 and look at how many other CPUs support AVX2 and do it okay. What are you going to spend your time on? Uh, it just, it just, it just seems like an artificial jump. But again, I'm not a programmer. I'm not doing high-end AI machine learning stuff, engineering computation simulations, things that if you're really cutting edge software developer and you can utilize that kind of space, then sure. But I mean, how many developers out there actually do that? I mean, Esri certainly doesn't because they're, they just barely got into 64 bit and they're still like single core and they're the number one GIS company in the world. And it just, yeah, it, Maybe Esri is not the word, the best example because they suck. And I'm, <laughs> that I'm probably didn't stop Adobe, soon. but anyway, yeah. But uh, no, it's um, yeah, it's a conundrum. What do you do? I mean, they they design it in there, and it takes up die space, and it takes up a lot of power when enabled. And you can the point out it and say like we that? can do it. They can't. Yeah, and I mean, they've still got what. 78% of the desktop CPU market or overall Easily. CPU market. Yeah. I mean, AMD has made strides, but yeah, Intel is really the only one who can manufacture this stuff. However, AMD finally has the 5600X and 5800X and enough supply that you can find it easily online at MSRP. Yep. So, what hey, is the uh, MSRP uh, of the 11700K? Uh, we know that four twenty nine. Hmm. Isn't that so what they you were then thirty bucks? I don't know. I don't remember if that was yeah. part of the announcement or not. <clears throat> I'll just quickly show the conclusion page. Here has some bullet points on performance. Here, single thread floating point was up nineteen percent. Not, not that's workload dependent though. They were seeing he was seeing as low as like plus seven in a few areas. So okay. it's it's not nineteen across the board. Right, multi-thread integer seven point three. It's on the screen. Yeah. Single thread okay. integer plus thirteen percent. So it's it's math heavy workloads that'll see the nineteen. They're, but you know they're they're picking the best data point that that is you know something that they can prove. Shocking. And of course. Yeah. No. But uh, you know, to go back, I know I've been throwing a lot of shade. Uh, the actual design teams at Intel with the tools that they've been given they still make a very good processor. And so they're able to extract even more IPC from the last generation, even though they had to port this design back to 14 nanometer and cut a bunch of stuff and get it so that it hits, you know, die size constraints and, and thermal constraints when this is designed for a higher performance, theoretically better yielding 10 nanometer process, which of course, 
the better yielding is the issue. I mean, if you know, if you do a uh, one of these designs on a ten nanometer super fat, and they're getting their usual yields, then this would probably be a much better processor. Um, you know, hitting that consistently max 125 watt to 150 watt uh, at max load, maybe you know, and sub 200 at least. But they can't do it. Uh, and so they had to adjust the design rules. They had to adjust the designs tremendously. They 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 still wanted to get these improvements in uh, IPC. They were able to achieve that. They were able to shoehorn ABX five twelve in here, even though it may not be the best decision. They were able to do it. Uh, the The cost of this is 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 thermals. Uh, otherwise, it's running at the clock speeds they needed to. Uh, they've achieved the IPC improvements in both integer and floating point, and they've also expanded AVX. So in many ways, this is an impressive part because they've been able to shove all of this stuff in here into an older node because they simply had to to get it in producible numbers. So hats off to the engineers at Intel. They worked overtime on this to get it to work as well as it did. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's, it's their manufacturing arm. I mean, it's, uh, they're, 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 they've been in trouble for a long time now. And who knows if, if kick and Pat will, will turn it around or, you know, if, 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 you know, Murphy getting out of there has allowed other ideas and, uh, engineers to get in there and and change things but when you're dealing with process nodes change happens in years not months so uh yeah it's 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 going to be interesting to see but again from a pure engineering standpoint and what they were able to do with the tools that they had it's impressive sadly they're competing against another impressive design that's on a much better process node. So, but cool. It's, it's neat to see the stuff out there. It, it, it's options for consumers. And if you can handle the heat, then stay in the kitchen. And on the boring side, their IO is, is dramatically improved with PCIe four and I think additional PCIe lanes, right? Four more lanes, or at least they're they're talking to. Yeah, there's four more lanes off. They're talking about an extra four four point yeah. Yeah, and they've so they've essentially doubled the bandwidth as well. They've got up from AMD only a year and (laughs) eight months. Yes, but it is an improvement beyond just. And according to Alan Alan Maltavino and his testing, their PCI four point oh. Uh, implementation is uh, up to 20% faster than AMD's plus or minus 15%. Okay. That is, that is the word. (laughs) Clever. You know, plus or minus 100%, it is twice as fast. It is. I like where your head is at. Any any more commentary on this before we move on? I mean, obviously we'll have Probably, actually, I do. You have any commentary, here, Sebastian? We'll I mean, I, some... I have no. ran rough shot over everyone on this, and I really probably shouldn't have because I didn't read as much as. But I have, I have, I have thoughts. 
Well, I was the only Canadian on the program. I have no comment. Oh. Kent, how do you feel about newer, hotter CPUs with fewer cores, but slightly higher IPC? I think Intel had to go this route. They had to put something out there, anything out there, um, because they're... you know, their CPUs are dropping in price, which is something we've never seen before is new Intel uh, processors on shelves going down in price. Um, I believe the 10900K was able to be sold for like three ninety nine just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, I wish that they could move on to their new process node, but they just don't have the yields for it yet. Very true. And I, I do, that's a good point about the price, because that's what they've had to resort to to be competitive with AMD, is that we've seen really low, aggressively low prices. I don't was that three ninety nine a micro center price or was that on like Amazon Newegg? I saw it for a brief time on Newegg at three ninety nine. Oh. And it's still at four twenty five. That's low. The ten seven hundred K micro center price was two seventy nine. You know, I'd, I'd still be wondering about the margins of uh, these things because, you know, with AMD, I mean, yeah, with the 5600 and the 5800, it is a two-chip affair. And uh, the I.O. die is, is still pretty big as compared to the CPU. CPU die is, is not that much, but you've also got to pay extra uh, to have a more complex substrate to connect everything at high speeds. Um, and when you add a third chip in there, that increases the cost again by a significant margin and the complexity of the manufacture of, of, of that substrate, as well as, you know, placing three different chips on there versus just placing one. And so there are still advantages that Intel has, uh, in terms of price and margins for a finished product that Intel does uh, that AMD does not. However, um, the chiplet strategy of being able to mix and match qualities of chiplets to get higher end parts. Uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, I would think, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm freezing here, but when you're weighing out the cost of everything, I think it is still slightly more efficient, but the margins are going to be, smaller unless you have just an absolute massive die that you're not yielding worth crap and of course you know intel doesn't put anything out to market unless it's got pretty good yields um especially on the notebook and desktop xeons that's 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 a whole different ball game because your Mm. margins are really crazy crazy there um but yeah, for desktop, it's it's you know if if you could find out the actual prices of these things and really compare and contrast, that would be interesting. Because is AMD too early with the multi chiplet thing? Is Intel still right in the area it is? It needs to be, or when you're talking about these fifty nine hundreds, fifty nine fifties, you know, versus a monolithic Intel die at at that same price. You know who's who's getting the better bargain, and um, you know it's. I think we're right at that kind of tipping point 
between, you know, the old philosophy and, and the new. And of course, you know, Intel is going to be going with chiplets uh, of their own type and, and, and packaging, um, you know, probably either next generation or the generation after that. But AMD was early. And are they paying a penalty? I don't know. I mean, Historically, they're Historically, aren't they're they doing, usually, you know, a little too early on things? Uh, no, like PCI 3.0? No. Oh, I'm thinking further yeah, back. 2.0? Like, no. Their the original uh, dual core and the way that they yeah, did they, that they versus that in, how... do a monolithic die versus yeah. what Intel was doing with, you know, two Pentium 4s on the GTL Plus bus. And, and then jumping into HBM, also brilliant, but a little bit too early. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's too it's, expensive, um, certainly. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there just wasn't enough uptake of HBM to get mm-hmm. somebody other than what Samsung. <clears throat> Samsung was pretty much the only HBM yeah. producer for quite a while, and uh, they weren't doing it in the volumes that needed to be done to get the price point down. So, yeah, no, I, it's. I mean, they're cutting edge, and and they've done well. I mean, they're they're Infinity uh, fabric. Yeah. That they got that you know sure. initially from C Micro ages ago, that and of course C Micro you know just ceased to exist, but the the technology and the basis of it lives on. It's it's you know it's it's fascinating to see what they have done, and I mean they're hitting they're hitting on all cylinders right now. I mean they had a three billion quarter three billion dollar quarter okay. in this last yes. one. Very I mean yes. it just absolutely smashing records. For the company, mm-hmm. and I mean, they're shipping products, and they're shipping products that their margins continue to increase. And only now are we starting to see five thousand series in good quantity online, uh, at least you know for the fish six hundred and fifty eight hundred. But they've that's, been selling out the, of that stuff, it, and their three thousand series have continued to sell as well because they're they're still good CPUs. They're not as good as well, the five thousand. They were available. Series. That was part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, you started yeah. to say something. That's the really telling thing about the uh, why there is this 11th gen that's again on the 14 uh, nanometer process is that the the prices on the Intel processors are dropping, and you can't until just the last few days you couldn't buy a 5000 series. Um, just by going online and ordering it, you had to, yeah. you know, enter the new egg shuffle. So Intel prices were dropping and you couldn't even buy the competition. So that's very telling to me. Yeah. It's a good point. And moving on. <laughs> I, I want to say that all of this is the absolute best time to be an AMD fan because you can jump up and down <laughs> and point and laugh at Intel. This is cyclical. Guys, don't get too... It comes back. It Because this oh. happened with Athlon when it was the fastest, cheapest, best processor ever. And it happened again. But think, but with think the Athlon 64. Yep. yep. And then, but then there was Bulldozer when there was just the dark times. So now they have, now they have the Zen core and it's amazing. And they jumped on chiplets early. It's fantastic. And Intel is scrambling and they're doing things like backporting laptop processors to desktop and ridiculously high power draw to get the clocks up and everything that they're doing. So including lowering prices in the retail market. So it's, I anticipate this will look different in five years, but who knows? Maybe this is the beginning of the end, but ultimately AMD's problem 
is a fab problem too, not Intel's, which is mm-hmm. they can't get their process working in in uh, at volume. But AMD's is simply that they are a fabulous company and they completely rely on TSMC, and they are producing how many different products at seven nanometer <clears throat> right now? They have console GPUs or console APUs. They have the desktop parts. They have graphics cards all on seven nanometer and they have two generations of cpus and two generations mm-hmm. of graphics cards in seven nanometer so well it's just, the, the thing that's well, you're, you're five years is, is is not so much the amount of SKUs that they have but the amount of wafer starts that they're able to get from tsmc and that's that is going to be their problem unless you know Global Foundries gets a several billion dollar, multi-billion dollar injection from the U.S. government to start producing more chips uh, locally. But how long would it take for them to spin up new fabs? It would take years. Well, that's five years. That was my point. Five five years. Five years is is probably going to include that new TSMC plant that I in Arizona. Yes, that's correct. Where are they getting the water from? Have you been to Arizona? (laughs) They don't have a truck in. They'll truck it in. Uh, they know where to get the water from yeah Yeah. Lake Mead only has so much water and Vegas is taking a lot of it Hmm. real quick let's move on because you know it's this is going to be the longest podcast of all time if we don't do something about it now yep Uh, solar winds Jeremy you've talked to us about this before what's going on with them now Okay, well, we'll lead with that, but that's not actually why I posted this because it's it's the part afterwards that's that little, you know, bon mot that makes things feel a little bit better at least. Because honestly, the solar winds just keeps getting worse. Um, there's a company called Mandiant Threat Intelligence that likes to dig around a lot of the public malware repositories where companies throw stuff up. Like, I see this. It doesn't look like anything. It's not coming up on any of my databases. It's not getting detected, but I know it's bad. Can you guys just take a look at it? And this is a thing. And so something that resembles part of Sunburst uh, was apparently first uploaded back in August of 2020, which makes us significantly older than we thought it was, or at least hope it wasn't this old. And to make it funny, uh, this little sunburst thing, which is what they, they've called it to separate, or sun shuttle, to separate it from sunburst rather, is a second stage backdoor. So this will be the way that you're already infected, the, the infection already present is able to then talk to a home server and back again and do stuff. This is relatively terrifying. Uh, and this is, unfortunately, you know, it, it's hard to get even more upset than IT professionals are right now about uh, what's going on with solar winds. It is a complete and utter nightmare. And, you know, every time you wake up, it it gets a little bit worse. But what makes it funny is that over the past year, four major cybercrime forums have found most of their members being doxxed and a bunch of Bitcoin stolen. And for some reason, I mean, just seems odd they're, they're actually upset about this it, it's like you know if, if what they do to people was done to them that somehow it's unfair but if they just do it to other people it's okay so please join me in, in playing a concerto of the world's smallest violins for these idiots and hope that a part of this is 
a bunch of intelligent white hats going, you know what? If you guys had anything to do with the nightmare we're living in right now, join us. Stick it to the bad guys. It's, 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 yeah, it's just nice to see the criminals getting a little bit of a comeback. Say goodnight to the bad guy. Right? <laughs> Am I right? You're right. Are I don't we, get that reference. Are we the all. bad guys? Not today. Tony Montana? Yeah. Are you serious? Moving on. Uh, tech spot. <sighs> so I, I think we found another movie for Sebastian to watch without. I think we his find at least three movies every night. Two, three. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen at least a dozen movies in my life. All right. No, you've watched the same 10 movies over and over again. <laughs> that is what counts. You're saying. Uh, it's tech all spot. Tech spot. <laughs> I have watched uh, not a lot of anime. There are people who watch a lot of anime. <laughs> Star Trek, Star Wars, Wars, and anime. That's it. I mean, is there anything else? TechSpot <laughs> has released... Voyager. Can we talk about Voyager? Let's not talk about Voyager. Not, that that's so disappointing. Okay. RTX 3070. Did you know that there's more than one GPU with that name? We've talked about this. We've talked about the fact yeah, that there's that's, more than one mobile but this GPU. Is, you know how you'll be able to know. But yeah, yes. the performance... Well, 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 the performance 80 is 80 and 115 people. watt variants tested. And <laughs> laptop and desktop. It's not just the name. It's the performance. So, well, right, yeah. Well, I wish it was the name so you could immediately identify the performance. <laughs> well, but we got <laughs> This is a 3070, which means it has this instead of the, no, this 3070, well, which has that. Yeah. Where is, always. where are the charts? Here we go. Benchmarks. Metro Exodus. Okay, the 80 to 95 watt. What's the CPU here? A 10870 uh, 10, versus a 5900HX. So they do the 1080s, but then they do 1440 below. Okay. Again, different CPUs. Well, it's two it's laptops. Totally different it's not platform. like you can... Okay. Okay, I... so XMG, you have to make the same as the Gigabyte board, or Gigabyte, <laughs> you have to make the same as the XMG, because right now they're the only two going. Obviously, there's a big gap here. Would, wouldn't you know it, the 115, 130-watt, 3070, even with the same 45-watt CPU class, uh-huh. it'd be a lot faster. We're talking about, here's Borderlands 3, this is 1080 Ultra, uh, 78 FPS for the 95-watt max, and 91.5 FPS for the 40, for the 130-watt uh, max. So that's going to be the story. If you yeah, have but that's more, a 1080. Yeah, I know. Where's the, I guess i got to scroll more. Let's go scroll, scroll, scroll. Where's 1440? More 1080. Although, really, with laptop, aren't you gaming at 1080? That's probably what the screen is. You're right. Yeah, most, most gaming laptops are 1080. It's those, like, productivity machines with, like, a, you know, yeah. 8K display that's, like, 400% scaling all the time. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't yeah, work right. right for some reason. I don't think oh, there's somebody yeah, asked... What? Mm-hmm. Somebody just asked in the YouTube channel, what does user benchmark have to say? That's the story That's, we didn't talk the, about. The, yes. <laughs> we should have mentioned There this was stuff. a funny user benchmark uh, write-up on the new Intel processor. <laughs> yeah. Has the next time. You should go read that. Uh, read People the Textbot article. Uh, <clears throat> it's got a lot of benchmarks. Yeah. If you want to see over and over and over again that yeah. the higher wattage version of the 3070 will outperform the lower wattage version of the 3070. And then you get really depressed when you throw in the desktop version. Oh, I didn't even scroll that far. There's too much scrolling. I thought I was scrolling too much, but I didn't scroll enough. No, they've decided to go with the single page uh, layout. 
So you just have to scroll. And you know, we scroll have that too, but we have this nice little floating table of contents to help yeah, navigate. It's, it's, it's nice. classy, isn't it? It is. That's why yeah, books so, were invented uh, in the past, Sebastian. There was too much scrolling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where? I, so yeah, I, if you're looking at way, the, uh, 1080p, if you're looking at the 1550 watt versus the desktop, yeah. on average, the desktop is 35% faster. Now, if you go to 1440p uh, without Optimus, just to, to you know make sure that you're not cheating too much, it's only 30% faster than the 115 watt laptop variant. You don't want to know how much faster than the 80 watt. Hmm. So it's a 3070, but it's not. Mm-hmm. They all are. They should have been different names. Skews? Yeah. yeah. All right. By Maybe the way, like a Max Q or, or at least Max Q, Max yeah. Q, something that like helps. that. Yeah. TechSpot has some of the best, if not the best, still photography in the game. I just have to say, this is a great shot. Oh, Brett, he's calling you out on air. Jeez. Hey, it's been I'm, ag- I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring it. These are great photos. What he's doing is he's nice go- soft bokeh in the background. He's just he's just goading uh, me or whoever to a higher level of performance. Although I uh, I don't know. I feel like this he, could be if he would send us here. some laptops I, to review as opposed to me giant cases. <laughs> actually, actually, I don't like that one. The one you're pointing out, I don't yeah, like that particular shot. Yeah, uh, but the, the the first one I showed with the mm, the mm-hmm. bottom I like corner. that one. That was great. It was a bit artistic. Yeah, I yeah, liked very it. Very artistic. This is a great photo. Yep, I should have taken it. I love the background. They got the keyboard. Their, their background they got the is keyboard great. lit. They got the keyboard lit at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a little overexposed on the left edge, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Fall off. Uh, let's pause right here to hear from this week's podcast sponsor. Hey, what if I told you the rabbit hole was deeper than you know? What if I told you there are systems out there keeping a log of the things that you do? It's creepy. It's part of the game with internet service providers like AT&T or Comcast, as they store logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. I combat this by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet providers can't see or log what you do online. The obvious question then becomes, well, if I'm routing all my data through a VPN, doesn't that mean the VPN system can see what I'm doing? Good thinking. And many VPNs claim to have no logging policy, but in fact, have been caught logging customer activities. ExpressVPN is moving towards total privacy for your data by utilizing trusted server technology. They were the first major VPN provider to engineer all the VPN servers to run completely in RAM, greatly limiting the ways in which data can be exploited. This makes it impossible for their servers to actually store any data, including logs of any ExpressVPN customers. Don't take my word for it, or ExpressVPNs for that matter. They are quite confident in their no-logging claim, as they had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology stack to ensure they were doing exactly what they said. So stop letting others keep logs of what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com pcper right now and find out how you can get three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash pcper to learn more. That's expressvpn.com slash pcper. More stuff. We're this back. one's funny. I like this one. What's, hey. what's what's funny? No, I like this next one. Hey, we're uh, back. The the pun, Jeremy's pun. Corsair makes oh, a this... splash. Oh, you know what? I actually didn't notice that. <laughs> How could you not? Uh, Corsair, <laughs> Hydro X. We talked about the Hydro X system. I think it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago now. A long time ago. Not. 
this Hydro X system. No, because- you got to show the buddy picture. It's it's just so absurd, and we've made jokes about this in the past. Wait, which like somebody like, somebody's going to do this? Kit Guru, it's the Corsair just- MP600 Pro Hydro X two terabyte. It's an SSD made for liquid cooling. It, it's a gum stick that's liquid cooled. I mean, yes, mm. but think of the performance. This- well, I mean, yes. You know, if, Alan, Alan, Alan is is shaking in rage right now. Yes, because he's thinking, "Oh, hey, great, we've got this controller that's actually heating up the NAND to make the NAND more efficient, but we're running cold water over the NAND to make it less efficient." Yes. Then why on single chip it, it, NANDs do they put it so far away from the controller, which we'll talk about later? Hmm. Mm. But look at the performance. Well, it drops by 20C. If you, you, well, look, that looks like the performance of a M.2 SSD. Well, the writes are really high, but it would really be telling if it was sustained, like sustained over a long period of time. And that's the only way in hell this makes sense. That's the 18E? Yeah, it is. E18, yeah. yeah. E18, sorry. Yeah, it's it's essentially the uh, Sabrent Rocket 4. Plus, yes. Sorry, for, for well, the, the Sabret rocket, not the Sabret rocket. For with plus. a liquid cooled yeah. heat sink, but yeah. with so it, it'll drop temperatures by up to twenty degrees Celsius, which is stupid. And you'll notice how nicely it snugs up to your GPU, because this is another fun thing about this: is you're very limited on the amount of places you can stick the damn thing. You're not going to be or able which, to put it on the back, or which motherboards that, that this will work with. Yeah. There's Your a lot GPU's of going to cover up a lot of M.2. Mm. And Which no already sounds like a terrible idea. There. And like, a lot of motherboards yeah. come with uh, plates that that act as, as passive heat sinks over the M.2. You know, I, I, well. I think this may, may, may be a niche product. You think so? Yeah, for Alan. And that's it. I don't Because think, I don't he's he the only us. one that writes 100 terabytes a day. Oh. Yeah. That might happen. Because literally, that's the only thing you could use this for. If you are literally beating the hell out of this two terabyte drive and doing 10, 20 total drive rates every day, all day, day in, day out. He doesn't even use the M.2 slots. He just sticks it. He gets a 16X riser and uses the slots on that. Correct. That's not a joke. That is, I'm (laughs) not making that up. That's exactly what he does. Yeah. But that's, you know, he does it for his own reasons. Obviously, it puts it in a better position thermally, especially if he has his own airflow solution. But he's more on the side of keep your NAND warm. It likes to be warm. Mm. But the controller... And keep your powder dry. very hot on those 500 drives. That's why I want to keep NAND in the bed with him to keep it warm. Mm -hmm. So it's hot next day. Lord knows he has enough of it. We would hope that he does. Like Scrooge McDuck, he dives into a <laughs> silo chips. filled with NAN chips. Mm-hmm. If Smiths. if only if only he could get one of those ASRock with the M.2 connectors for the FX mm. fifty nine ninety, mm-hmm. he would everything Consider would be himself. toasty, lucky, toasty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving along. Yes, be quiet. They've launched a new line. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be offensive. 
so fresh. No one's ever made that joke. Never. Before. Dark Power 12 series of PSUs has launched. Feel the power of the dark side, says. Oh, this has to be Jeremy. Is this Jeremy? It's oh, Jeremy. It's Jeremy. Yeah, it was a cheap uh, one, but it's been a yeah. busy day. So what is up with these? I think the deal is... because It's it, titanium. Already, is it titanium rated? It's 80 plus titanium rated. So take that, put it in your pipe and smoke it. Because, uh, I mean, the Dark Power's been around for forever. And, and like I think yeah. you did the Dark Tower Power 12 Plus or Pro? Pro we looked at a... Pro, whatever the higher end one is, because yeah. this is so this is going to be a little bit more affordable. Doesn't go quite up as, as high, right? Up thousand plus <laughs> is the max, right? Affordable. Well, I'm actually, going to say it's available. There's that. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good luck finding anything of a thousand <laughs> watts or more at retail. Those don't really yeah. exist. Yeah. Essentially, the, the difference is that uh, the the pro is fully digital. Um, with okay. the PFC, whereas with the, the 12, you got an analog active rectifier and such. Gotcha. But other than that, it's uh, built off the same FSP uh, body, which means you've got really nice high quality caps. And, you know, they put a lot of effort into it and making sure that the, the AC to DC bridge is pop properly working. And they provide an overclock key. Which you haven't, you haven't run into this. It switches it from a four rail, twelve volt design to a single rail. Uh, regardless of how you want to do it, it'll handle up to seventy amps, which you know is quite nice um, for a PSU of this power at uh, eight fifty. Being be quiet, you've got the the fancy frameless rate uh, frameless fans. So you know at max load, they were hearing just under thirty six dBA. Essentially, that's unless you've got really good case fans, that's the same. You, it will be indistinguishable. And, you know, overall, it's a little bit laid back. There's no RGBs on it, which a lot of people are like, especially me and others. And it also can, is nice that, you know, at least part of it can be modded, painted, whatever color you want, as opposed to just glowing. Overall, it came out, you know, with really, really good marks straight across the board, but it, it is not just hard to find PSUs right now. Trying to find titanium rated ones, which has right. very specific components in them, is next to impossible. Uh, I think Kit Guru spotted one for sale in Korea or South Korea, and that was about it. Is it just because and of so, the efficiency for mining, or is it because those components are scarce, or both? Scarce. A bit of both, but yeah. scarcity because, yeah. Yeah, power supplies were one of the first products that were affected by the tariffs. Yeah. Um, mm. Just over a year ago, I bought a, an EVGA G plus 1000 uh, for $98 from Best Buy. And that same power supply now is around $250. Let that sink I've, in. Um, That's a, I've it's been ridiculous talking, how expensive I've been PSUs talking with our, uh, our Be Quiet person who helps us with reviews and such and um they've been trying to get us some of these power supplies for two months and they're internally they have very little ways of even getting them to the reviewers so so this is this is why i still have a mushkin 1000 watt power supply in my task rig why did you that. wait until this year of all years to complain about that you complained about this. Well, I complained last year. You'd have it, you'd be swimming help. in power supplies. <laughs> I don't I'm recall just that three of them. I don't recall the conversation. No. Uh, 
you only need pen and paper to fool this open AI computer vision code, <laughs> says the <laughs> header of this next article. You know what? I wanted to get like, Jeremy. I wanted to get like pieces of tape. Everybody puts it on their head and pretends to be someone else. Like I wanted like a Josh thing that I just put on my head or Sebastian, you know, held up. You, so you could put put one of your Apple stickers on there and it would identify you as an iPod. That's the next story. Oh, <laughs> what, not this story? Okay. No, that's the next story. What is this story, Jeremy? It's from the register, therefore it's a Jeremy story. Yeah. <laughs> hey, other people read that rag, I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay. I don't know who. Not but. in this group. <laughs> so you recall uh, a year or two ago, it was discovered that you could fool uh, the Tesla autopilot into doing 80 in a 30 zone with a little bit of black electrical tape. So that at least made sense because even you might be fooled that that three was actually an eight, except for the fact that you're driving through a school zone. Hmm. But these guys found a ver- they've been trying to make their uh, recognition system be able to, as the, their example says, recognize Spider-Man in a movie, in a comic, and in text. It has had an unforeseen consequence where if you take (laughs) something and you take a piece of paper and you write a name on it and stick it to it their AI will go off of that so as you can see there the Granny Sith Apple is now a different type of Apple Uh Uh, and this has worked for quite a few other things and it just it goes to show you how bizarre training AI visual recognition models can get because it makes perfect sense. I mean, one, you're trying to get uh, it to associate an image and text Uh, in another, you know, it's a dead giveaway that, you know, every single phone looks pretty much the same from the back, but Oh, look, there's a little logo there. Unfortunately, clip has gone a little bit overboard and now believes anything that it sees written. Hmm. And I just find this absolutely hilarious. So, so if in my standpoint <clears throat> line of work, we we identify Arctic terns, uh, and I'm yes. pretty sure that if you if you taped a sign on the back of an Arctic tern that said crow, it would recognize neither. But again, that's that's just training. Oh, no! I'm no, do more fun. Like put caribou on the back of it and see what happens. <laughs> Uh, I was pleased to see this. Uh, Apple discontinuing the Intel-based iMac Pro. We, all, we know that they're oh. discontinuing all Intel things, but... Yes, they The are, iMac but, Pro was uh, such a weird product anyway. It was like, it, do you want a Xeon? Do you want kind of a ECC memory? Was it, it a stock? I mean, was. it was kind of. It was also... It, basically... Because the iMac as a product is more, I, I, I guess we'll say nimble, like they would upgrade the CPUs and GPUs in them on a much more frequent basis than any of the pro-level stuff, you would get into the situation where a previous year's iMac Pro was slower than the current year's regular iMac 5K. That is that is correct. But the, but the form factor, while ostensibly may have looked same. similar... Well, there, there were some differences internally as to kind of because the Xeon board layout was a little bit different. Sure, internally. but if they, they didn't have a thicker <laughs> chassis, so the things were still thermally constrained. 
Oh, indeed. They definitely were. So it's like, why would I spend way more money? We're talking $5,000 well, for an iMac Pro that's firmly constrained. Out, when it came out, it was definitely the, oh my gosh, we need to get something into the marketplace be- before the real iMac Pro came out and this trash can thing, we agree, is an embarrassment. So for a couple of years, they had this. They had the iMac Pro thing going on. I know some okay. people who bought them. They're, they're reasonably happy do. with them. But what do you think of the tissue box? I don't know what you're talking about. With the G4? Oh. What's it's the one that was looked like a little the thing you'd put up on top of a yeah. Kleenex box that totally passive, no fans. Yeah, that yeah, yeah I never heard of it. Early 2000s. Yeah. Never heard it called the mm-hmm. tissue box, but. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, it was. looks like a Yeah, the G4 box. cube. At no, work, no, we literally cube. have a tissue box and a trash can sitting beside each other because there's one Apple fanatic that just won't. I mean, you'd. Pull one up, blow your nose, Look, throw it away. It it, it looks yeah. like one. Look at I this. agree. Yeah. See, it's got I, I never heard it called that though. Toaster. Well, yeah, look more like a toaster. Obviously, didn't hang around in my world's worst toaster. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, inefficient to the but extreme as a toaster. That I, I agree. But now, now they've gone with cheese grater, so that's fine, <laughs> right? That I know. <laughs> that has nothing to do Ooh. with the the demise of the iMac Pro. No, and, the uh, M1 has everything to do with the demise of the iMac Pro. You're correct. Well, You're not correct, the M1. It'll be M1X, M2, whatever well, they're going to have. M1, M2. Yeah. The, by the way, the, the, rumors, next... the rumors about the next Pro, the price tags they're talking here. It's. Oh, are you going to tell me you're being shocked about an Apple again. price? No, but try not to be, try not to be we're shocked. talking like SGI workstation pricing here. Mm. Almost. And? Not quite. Well, you know what? Like it's not for the wheels. It's, then it's not meant for you. You know what? Yeah. Just pass. It's not meant for you. Move on. That was who's President the three hundred dollar monitor stand meant for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, where, who's people. the thousand dollar? What? Wait. What about casters? the four hundred or five hundred dollar casters? Yeah, who are those for? The different people. You. Different people. The people who get yeah. the gold plated iPhone. That's that. all right. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, quickly looking at it. Well, I'll quickly go through this review and then I'll let Kent talk about his. But we looked at. Okay, you know that Samsung released the 980 Pro. No. And do you, do you want to do the OVH picture that I just posted? No. <laughs> uh, what it where in Discord? Yeah, it's in the PC Pro Discord. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? OVH, a major cloud provider in uh, around the world, actually. Uh, yes. One of their major server buildings went up in flames. And so the picture you're looking at has the caption and I quote rare pictures of data migration between clouds. There are a lot of people crying right now, but I'm not. There are, there are some 40,000 websites that need to be rebuilt from scratch. Remember kids, the number of backups you have is the number of backups you have minus one. Have you ever heard of iron mountain? (sighs) They, they, well, <laughs> they, I wouldn't be surprised if Iron Mountain was a customer of theirs for some stuff. Oof, oof. It would not that's surprise that, me. That's at moving all. in the wrong direction. So okay. I guess Rust, the game, they had 25 servers in that facility, and their entire EU infrastructure is is just gone. Gone. So if you're playing Rust and you had things saved to their little cloud, it's time to pick. Isn't that a game, game where you start from scratch anyways? So. Pretty much. 
I guess. Because you know what happens sometimes. Data centers just explode. It's true. What's that from? Samsung. 980, not Pro, just 980. Vanilla 980. It's an SSD. It's a Gen 3 SSD. It has very little... In, well, it has something in common with the 980 Pro. I think they're using the same NAND. Different controller, different interface, obviously. This is going to hit a lower cost segment, but you know what it is? It's Samsung's first DRAM-less drive. There's no DRAM it's under the, uh, the specs here. DRAM cache? What, what, what's Nothing. the controller? Samsung in-house, in-house controller. Oh, wow. So we're talking... We have the one terabyte on offer here. 3,500 megabytes per second. Sequential reads max. Uh, 3,000 is what they rate. Sequential writes. Up to 500K IOPS at 16 thread. QD32 random read. That's random 4K. Up to 480K on writes. And, you know, just your typical M.2 drive. Single-sided. Same thermal, like, solution where they they don't use heat sinks they use this like thermal pad on the bottom and you've got your two chips here on opposite sides of the PCB why are they so far apart probably thermals you don't want the thermals from the controller to overheat the NAND I'm guessing even the silicon to stay an arm's reach apart you want hot NAND, or else you got to pour you want water warm, on it. Warm, not cold hot NAND. But anyway, uh, so they're they're because this is their hot first NAND. because this is their first foray into a DRAMless controller. They were explaining what the host uh, memory buffer is. This is part of the uh, NVMe spec since one point two. I believe this is a NVMe one point four drive. So it can use sixty four megabytes of your system's memory. It's not as fast as having DRAM oh, on board. Okay, but here's the big thing. Larger write buffer, the SLC cache. Now, they're comparing this to the 970 Evo. Now, back in the day, Samsung drives came in Evo and Pro varieties. Now we have Pro and non-Pro, I'm guessing, unless Evo pops up. But The the 980 MEH? Yeah. (laughs) The Mac? The Mac. Uh, I'm sorry, this is the most boring Samsung watch I've ever seen. Here's the thing, here's the thing. They are targeting a mainstream segment for the first time. So Fair. What's, well, what's the price? The price is the same as the 670p from last week. The, the sale price is the 670p, like 129 for the mm. one terabyte we talked about. Yeah. That's what this yeah. is. So it, it's got that kind of performance. But I would, I would like to compare these head-to-head. The, from what I've seen online from other reviewers, it's, it's better performance than the 670p overall at the same price. I think that so makes sense. But They did that. I mean, it's, it's Samsung. You'd expect them to be a performance leader over an Intel mainstream drive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just basically, at least in my system, when I had a Q depth of 32, 16 thread, I wasn't getting quite as high random uh, IOPS. Well, I don't know. It could be that we were tuned differently. Plus, I was on an AMD platform. They were on an Intel platform. And Alan oh. says, Intel platforms have better storage performance. Uh, sequential reads... Were you running an AVX 12, 512? I test? was running AVX 512 workloads. Uh, Crystal Disk Smart 7 is obviously AVX 512. Slot riser. Code. Where you, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but if you look at the low Q-depths, low Q-depth performance, it's all good. It's right in the middle between these sure. Gen 4 drives and Gen 3 drives until you get to random write single thread just torturing it single thread qd1 and of course you look at crystal disk market defaults to qd3 
32 and 16 threads. So single thread QD1 is at the bottom of the pack. It's below even the WDSN 550, which is a DRAM-less <clears throat> drive. Although, my understanding of that drive is, I have not verified this, it has some of its own DRAM integrated into the controller. So it does fare slightly better in these worst-case scenarios. But still, overall, this is tuned for, for mainstream performance. It's tuned for writes, does pretty well with lower Q-depths, like QD1, QD2, where you're actually going to be using the drive most of the time in Windows. And pricing is okay. I mean, it's 129 I'd like to see it lower. I think that's the consensus out there. If this was $100, it would be like, oh, this is great, 10 cents a gig, and this is good performance. It's not QLC. And I glossed over this, but the as I scroll and scroll, the uh, total amount of write cache is huge. We're talking between three, three and a half and five and a half times the SLC cache of the 970 Evo. So they're saying it goes like 75% longer sustained writes before it runs out of cache. Now, intelligent cache up to 160 gigabytes with this one terabyte drive. So that depends on how much free space you have available on the drive. But mm-hmm. uh, it, the, they've significantly mitigated the the lack of DRAM by just making the SLC cache huge. At least for, you know, sustained write operations. But without DRAM, you're never going to get the same kind of like random write performance that you would. So. Uh, that's it for that drive. Probably a little oh, too expensive goodness. right now. That's the regular price. 129 Like Intel's came out at 149 and dropped to 129 I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere like 145 149 Everything's I and unfortunately I read a rumor that I don't know if this is true that you know the, some of these controllers might be scarce. So these this might be the next thing that starts to get really rare or expensive. I don't know. Samsung uses their own. Well, they're thing. expecting SSD prices to go up by eight percent over yeah. the next quarter. So Ooh, we've we've now Ram's, hit low. Ram is if already you want increasing. SSD, get it. Get one now because they're hey. going to go up. Yeah, flash is going to get more expensive. As Kent just said, DRAM already rising. Yeah, it already has. DRAM is already going up, yeah. This year is so much... You Just forget about everything else. Let's just talk about computer hardware, because that's what, that's what matters. Uh, computer hardware last year, it, was, it sucked. But I think it sucked mostly because people didn't have money to spend on it, or maybe the releases weren't compelling enough for you, or AMD processors were hard to buy, that kind of a thing. The people were, you know, scalping became rampant last year. It seemed like way, way worse than ever before for every category of product as it launched. But in 2021, it makes 2020 seem like a dream for buying hardware. Because when's the last time we've seen a 3080 for sale? Forget even that. On new when's last, you, you can't even yeah. buy pre-built systems for not even the bundles kind of, and the pre-built. Yeah. It, at least when the mining craze of 2017 was going on, you could just buy a PC. You might have to wait a couple of weeks for it to ship. You could, you know, commoditize, you know, systems with OEM graphics cards in them and at least get the GPU you wanted. But now you can't even do that. Although I will say, I don't know if this has changed in the last two days, but HP, go to HP's, but like eStore, HP Omen gaming desktops, they're selling stuff for... Uh, like the cost of a scalped GPU, you get a whole system. Like they had a system hmm. with a 3090 for $2,600. You can't wow. buy a 3090 Not for $2,600. They're 
hundred and up on eBay when I checked that night. It's ludicrous. So if you so, really need a system with one of these fast GPUs, just buy it from HP because Dell, it's outrageous. It was $3,200 for a system with a 3070 in it. So you, knew you guys have heard has of some pre-builds listed right now with 3070s in them. Um, or uh, one of them has a 37x 3700x Ryzen for 1799. Okay. Uh, the other has a 10700K for uh, 1849. Um, that one has 16 gigs of DDR4. The Ryzen system only has. Um, well, it doesn't even say in the, Who the cares? listing. It has yeah. memory. It has yeah. memory. It, uh, it, it has it's got a graphics card. Yeah, that's all that matters. Yes. It has a graphics it's card. It's a graphics can, card with you, complex packaging. You, you and a power supply. Something. It's got a power yeah, supply. It actually boots yeah. it up. But is it titanium rated? It, I don't oh, care. It's got a power supply. It's 50 gold. Wow. Gold. Oh, it's oh, gold. There you so, go. 50 that's gold. not bad. So you guys are probably familiar with Woot and how they get packages of a fair amount of things and just kind of blow them out over a period of time. I saw that they had graphics cards earlier today, and I'm like, wow, Woot has graphics cards? Let me look into that. They had both 5700 XTs and 1050 Ti's, and I'm like, wow, sold out. What a shock. How many did they have? So I went and looked at the sales stats. They had two of each. <laughs> for how much? For a ten fifty Ti, like three hundred dollars. Uh, it really was like two sixty nine or something That's like ridiculous. that. It was it, it it was you know pricey, but yeah, they had two two of each. All right, uh, let's go to our last story. It is a case review from Kent. Talk us through your uh, Thermaltake View fifty one tempered glass ARGB edition case review. Yes, the uh, Titanic View 51. Um, this was a very Titanic. interesting case. Um, it is huge. It is absolutely huge. Um, the, uh, as I mentioned in the article, my f the first three cases I ever built uh, in were thermal take cases. So this was very interesting to me to sort of go back to my roots. Um, and it's a very attractive looking case. Um, it does look very much like a Lian Lee PCO 11 dynamic that's been supersized. Um, it has sort of that offset uh, for the motherboard so that the power supply can sit behind it without increasing the width of the chassis too much, even though this was still it was 12, I think 12.4 inches wide. So it's still a, a chunky uh, piece of metal and glass. Um, there are gaps in the, the front and top for airflow, but um, I measured the gaps. They're not very wide and they, in the, the long run, they were very restrictive um, and they tremendously hurt the performance of the chassis. Um, which is a shame because the, the design of the internals of the chassis is wonderful. Um, Those are 200 could, mil fans, aren't they? They're 200 millimeter fans. Yeah, in that front is a with big a piece, piece then. God. Yes. It doesn't look like yeah. they look like 140s. Well, so that's, they're, that's they're a 200s. Huge case. And then they're 200s. <laughs> I'm looking at the back and I'm, no. 
So restrictive case law, were the inside, were the case sides actually bowing in from the pressure? (laughs) (laughs) Is it drawing air in from the back panel? Because that's ventilation. It seems like God. You could. It seems like that would have been a better place to draw air in from. Yeah. It, 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 and there's problems there too. If you look from the other side with the panel open, it's sort of the way they've got it, the, the brackets there, um, it's a little restrictive there. It's like they've said, well, you can put a radiator here and fans, but you know, we're also going to make it so that you can mount um, SSDs or oh, you know, okay. whatever else you want. Oh. Um, is it, is it block, that restrictive? And block yourself. But, I mean, if you put anything there, it absolutely is, but you'd have to sure. shift to like yeah. rear intake. Um, and one of the things I had Sebastian. actually intended when I first got this case, I had intended to build a custom loop in it just to, for the, the sort of the, the end photos of a completed build. Um, and, uh, actually Sebastian, if you can, if you can switch to me for a second, I had planned on using this reservoir. This is for a uh, PCO11, but it fits in many of the cases that use a 360 millimeter radiator slot on the side. Um, any of the Lee copies that are out there will use this, and the D5 pump mounts in the back of this. This will not fit through the gaps in that bracket on the back. You, so you could, I could not even use this um, really generic reservoir pump combo um, because of the way they've got everything set up, and it's like they're really wanting to limit you to be to have to use. If you want to put a distro plate in there, you're going to have to use a thermal take uh, distro plate. Um, Is that it, does that surprise you though? I mean, why would they want to make it so that you could use? Someone else's proprietary. They're mad, mad geniuses at Thermaltake. Uh, it shouldn't surprise me, but you know, uh, most of your case manufacturers don't sort of relegate you to having to use their things. Uh, but regardless of that, the biggest problems I ran into with this case, which, again, were very disappointing because there's wonderful things about it. All of the radiator mounts can be just about moved side to side. Yeah, um, so that. you can That's position nice. them how you want. Um, there's some really great ideas in this case. But the airflow is far too restrictive. Um, but on top of that, the execution of the construction of the case i had numerous problems with um both the standoffs and the screw motherboard screws were very poorly finished um with their their black coating I, i think it's a powder coat i'm not entirely sure but there was a lot of residue in the threads and i constantly had motherboard screws and standoffs binding up um Several of the motherboard standoffs were actually not fully tightened down in the case when I first opened it. Um, And a lot of it just led to binding and cross-threading. It it was very frustrating to work with. Um, And as I mentioned in the article, you know, I have various tools uh, and equipment from years and years of doing this uh, to be able to deal with these problems. Did you about Liam Beeson there? I have very specific 
tools and skills. <laughs> yes. Very specific yes. set of anyway. skills. Hey, you know, even though you couldn't do your custom loop, this is a much more accessible system build, at least. Like, it's just an all-in-one, mm. and it still looks very clean. There's obviously a ton of space here. You didn't put that. Right. Yes. Kent, Kent yeah. I, I like how the 3090 triple slot is sort of lost in the expanse yeah. of this case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks totally reasonable. It, you know, it, it totally looks like a hot dog that you threw down a hallway. Right. Bam! There's an old one. <laughs> that, yeah. that looks like a little mini ITX card in this case. Yeah, it looks like a short card. It, it does. Card. It's the case is yep. monstrously huge. Um But you don't get the space you need and the spaces you want. There's that, um, but the biggest the biggest issue I think in the the end result is the fact that the glass top and the glass front just uh, completely destroy the airflow. Um, it's not the worst performing case that I've tested, but um, you know this is a two retail two hundred and thirty dollar case. I think you can find it for about one ninety. Um, that's still very expensive for a case that at best is going to be mediocre in performance. Um, the, the outer shell of it, uh, it, it has this great steel internal uh, uh, construction and the, the steel side panel is very f uh, stiff, not flexible. It's, it's not cheaply made, but the plastic on the outside of it, it, it just was terrible. It felt like uh, a 1976 uh, Mattel toy or something because of the, where the plastic trim was. The um, and just the airflow. There's not enough airflow um, with those glass panels in front and on the top. Um, and I just couldn't. After all the problems I encountered just building two systems in it, I wouldn't want a new person to come to me and say, I bought this case because you recommended it. Um, and it sucked, but you know, it, Somebody, it, the uh, build, the build process was, was a pain, but beca mainly because of the, the screw issues. Um, and the, uh, the, the end result, the airflow was just not sufficient. If they made this case with mesh on front and the top, and took care of some of these quality control issues from the factory. This would be a fantastic case to build a huge custom loop in. Yeah, I don't think you need. I, I don't like glass on the front just because of thermals. You don't. You can do it if there's a bigger gap. Obviously, their gaps aren't big enough for there to be sufficient airflow, like you said. And then, I wonder how much. The fact that they're using 200 millimeter fans up front that close to the glass, like just the way the air is being drawn in from something that wide when it goes edge to edge from the front intake. I don't know. It's, it, I more and more just want airflow cases. I just want everything to have like a mesh or a slotted front. But you can do solid front panels right as long as you have like larger gaps, bigger vents. Absolutely, but like a, a good yep. inch, inch and a half gap. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah, the it's, it's useful. Corsair five thousand D has a very sizable gap on the side. The eight hundred two from Be Quiet also has a sizable gap. Those are the the Fantex airflow. Uh, yep. The Fantex seven nineteen that I reviewed uh, 
at the end of 2019, um, which actually is still the case my system is in behind me. Um, it is solid on top and the front. Uh, it's metal, not glass, but there is uh, about a three quarters of an inch gap for air to pass through all the way up both sides and along the top and at the bottom of the front as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are no airflow restrictions in that case. So it can be done, but this was not a case of it being done correctly. So I take it you didn't like the case. Is that what I'm getting from this? As I said, I don't <laughs> like that case. I do not like that implementation of the base chassis. I would love to see that base chassis with a different exterior treatment. Um, I think that could be a fantastic system for building a, a, a huge loop in. Uh, you could cool anything but you you definitely are somebody who likes to do a custom loop in each case if you can now was there what was the hard drive situation here like with all of that space oh. if you're not going to do a custom loop could you put like 20 hard drives in this thing or did they not have mounts for that there were two uh hard drives in uh, spaces in the back behind the motherboard tray i had some pictures of those there oh, were yeah. no other okay. there were no other trays included um, okay. so thermal take may make some, but they were not included. I forgot about this picture. Mm. They slide out the back. I mean, there's some oh, interesting yeah. design like, ideas. Like almost hot here. swap there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There's no backplane for them. I take it. Those are just the, it's just two, two drive trays, no backplane. Yeah. You just, but, but they're accessible from the outside in a typical sort of like server raid boot disk configuration. Mm kind of thing you do and have normally, to remove a metal plate from from rear. above those when they're inserted but oh, yeah. so like okay. somebody can mm. you can't just see but, like yeah. hard drives. still okay it's interesting that they'd have those accessible sort of from the outside and then not provide at least the option of mounting an array yeah. you know internally with all that space right right i, I mean then that's the thing with a, a, a case this large if it included, you know, four, six extra hard drive trays and ways to mount sure. them or something of that nature, you, you could look at it and say, okay, it could be used that way as well. But this doesn't. This is obviously you, you're going to build a – this is to build a, a huge water cooling loop in, and that's pretty much it. Um you certainly wouldn't want to build an air-cooled system in it um, because, you know, if you put a big chunking air cooler on top of a motherboard in there, you're still going to have a huge amount of empty space. It's going to be Josh's hot dog in a hallway. Yeah. But it'll I, show it off really nice. I guess it'll show probably, it off. Yeah, but, this is probably but a, you know, for, for yeah. just to make sure it's not my hot dog, okay? No. No. Noted. Hey, noted. But nobody said. No, apparently it's a glass hot dog, that, Josh. I don't, I've never heard any complaints. It's a. It's um, a token. It's not. No one will ever see those photos we took, Josh. I promise. Yeah. Yep. Those were never. Alan's never complained. You're good. Oh, oh my god. All right. Oh. Uh. Anyway. Moving off at our rating now. Uh, Picks of the week are next, and <laughs> Josh, I am stunned by this pick. This is shocking. Shocking. You don't have to do a shuffle. You don't have to go to eBay. You don't Wait, have to pay over. Is it shell over. shocking? Is it a shell shocker? 
not even a shell shock. It's just wow. regular MSRP. You can finally get a 5600X for MSRP anytime you want. Online. Well, I mean, except if you except if you lived in the Middle Ages, you wouldn't be able to get one. Right. Not not any actual time. Right. You know, unlike a Star uh, Trek uh, episode, just whenever. Was the guy the Stephen, Stephen? He went to a. I can't remember his last name. He went to a restaurant and said, and said, you know, what is it? Uh, breakfast anytime you want. He said, "Can I get pancakes in the Middle Ages?" In the Renaissance, I Stephen Wright. Stephen, yeah, I must great. be Stephen Wright. Yeah, it sounds anyway. like Stephen Wright. When I get a tattoo of my entire body over myself, only taller. <laughs> if you're yeah. going at the speed of light and you turn your lights on, would they do anything? I think your delivery is <laughs> too fast. It is, but I was. It is. You I was sounded, trying to get it. You in. sounded awake. But it's mm. crucial. Breakfast anytime. Can I get pancakes okay. during the Renaissance? Pancakes. Yeah. No. In the <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah. It's time to buy a Ryzen 5000 series. Uh, a guy I just well, worked with, uh, he, he does professional work. And uh, five years ago, one of his clients bought a server with eight core Xeon 16 threads. And he was very, very proud of that for a very long time. And he was doing a work piece with it. And it took four and a half hours to complete on his server that he was very proud of because, you know, he paid a lot of money back in the day. And my friend had a 5600X with 32 gigs of, of memory. And it completed the same workload in three hours and 15 minutes. So, oh. This kind of tells you where we're going mm-hmm. in terms of performance, and you know it's it's a sixty-five watt part with two fewer cores than your proud boy yeah, system. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of amazing. Technology progress, availability. Get one. It's all about availability. Oh, Forget about technology. Just, you can only you get can those buy a motherboard two. too. Oddly you enough, you get those two CPUs. Next, you can't get the, the fifty-nine and the fifty-nine. Yeah, something. Speaking that of that, Jeremy, I think it's Jeremy the next pick. Yes, ah, is related. Yeah. Now, bear in yes. mind this, this is the Canadian price, oh. but uh, yeah, right now a very solid motherboord, the Gigabyte uh, X570 Aorus Elite Wi-Fi, is cheaper than the non-Wi-Fi version. So why spend an extra twenty bucks not to have Wi-Fi? Uh, and I mean, if you, you look behind me, that it's uh, the box is sitting right there. Uh, it's one of the ones that. I'm running my 5800X on. Josh is running the same thing. It is a damn solid board. It does just about everything you want. It doesn't have a lot of the extras you're never going to use. I don't have the Wi-Fi have the version, but otherwise, it, Nor do I. it is the same. Yeah, yeah, it's a great board. If you don't yeah, need Wi-Fi. But right now, the Wi-Fi is cheaper than the non-Wi-Fi, which is why yeah. I recommend the Wi-Fi version. Uh-huh. Well, it's good board. What's the Wi-Fi? Right is now it's Intel X200... It's the Intel six. I don't know. I don't have a board. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's the fancy yeah, it's, new it's, one. It's, it's it is. I'm reading. It's Wi-Fi the fans, six? not the pots. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I did. There's about twelve letters after it. Now, it says Intel, yeah. Intel dual band 802.11 AC Wi-Fi and Bluetooth 4.2. I'm guessing it's the X200. Yeah. yeah. It's the X200 on AMD boards and the X201 on Intel boards, typically. Who is next? What's our next? That'd be pick? me. Okay. 
I've been picking a lot of networking things lately. And uh, like I said, I was perusing Woot earlier today when I got the email. And I'm like, what do they have on here that's a good deal? Unfortunately, this only lasts one night only for the next hour or so. This Doxus 3.1 modem is probably the cheapest one I've seen at just under $100. Now, I have the uh, a Motorola here that probably cost me $180 when I bought it at Doxus 3.1. Um, and it has uh, served me very, very well. Uh, there's only a few makers of uh, chipsets out there, but uh, Netgear is one of my other trusted uh, uh, vendors for building uh, networks out of switches and such. It's a really good price for a Doxus 3.1 modem, which is a little bit more future-proof than your average 3.0. Uh, although there's very few systems that are providing um, a feed that will uh, outrun a Doxus 3.0 modem. But a 3.1 will get you many years into the future and serve you very, very well. And at I mean, if you're, bucks, if you're on a cable internet connection, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, if gigabit will do you, I mean, how, look, you're, you're having they? a problem. Well, let's, let's, talk about, having let's a problem. talk about Sebastian's problem. I, I have AT&T Fiber here because I lucked into it because I think they were installing it on my street for some other reason. So they went around and put door tags on everybody's door. I don't even know if it was on both sides of the street. It might be. They're like, hey, this is available if you want it. And the oh, price you're a both sider now. Great. Ridiculous. The price is ridiculous on this. It's I pay $40 a month for gigabit symmetrical. I hate you. You're stealing it. I hate you're stealing it. And that's with a $20 discount. After the first year, that discount goes away, and it goes up to $60. So I pay $60 a month for symmetrical gigabit fiber. I'm okay with that. But it was down. I'm fifty nine for one hundred and fifteen. I I pay for gigabit cable. What's your upload? And it's not gigabit. Uh, Forty. Yeah, it's sad. Forty meg. Uh, Kent, I'll let you go next. What is your pick? Uh, My pick has something to do with some of the issues I had with that case, but um, it's also. Oh, I thought it was going to be penicillin. No. No, no, not that kind of issues. <laughs> that'll that'll clear anyway. up, Kent. I mean, the swelling that'll go down soon. <laughs> I mean, it's so. the itching. It's the itching that gets to you. Brett has extensive knowledge of this. Kent, please continue. <laughs> Were you in the Navy, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does like Apple, so I mean, that's oh, that's all you know. oh Lord, you know what? the fruity you know what? computer company. I deserve this. That's all you I have do. To say. Yes. All right, <laughs> Kent, go. So one of the most useful gifts I've ever received was an iFixit kit. And iFixit makes a lot of tools. And that is what I have listed as my pick of the week uh, as the iFixit store because they have a lot of tools to fix just about anything electronic you come across. Um, And they are... uh, good tools they stand behind them but i fix it one of the reasons i'm recommending them is because they are very strong in the fight for right to repair because if you can't try to fix it or fix it then you don't really own it and uh, i think we all have a right to break our own things if we want to damn right yes agreed uh but something you wouldn't want to break, and I have not gone hands-on. I've, I'm trying to convince myself not to buy this. 
because I've started to get this um, obsession with open Apple source products? handhelds. I think is what the category is oh, technically that's... called. Wow, we're going to so, fill that pause with a lot of different things. By the yes, way, yes, we could. Um, but they're just open source handhelds. Uh, these things that run like RetroArch or something, and you can take them anywhere, and they look like a Game Boy, or they're landscape oriented, so they kind of have that. Um, I don't know, like a PSP, not really a PSP. Almost some of them look like a Game Gear, like a smaller Game Gear. But anyway, uh, this nice little website called Obscure Handhelds has a story about the new RG351V. That would be V for vertical. There's also a 351P portrait. Wait a minute, portrait is vertical. What am I saying? Uh, P for plastic. They have a weird naming scheme. This is Anbernic. They're a Chinese company that makes these handheld systems. I have an RG350M and an RG351P. The 351V, though, is basically the same as a 351P, but it is a more of like a Game Boy style. So it's vertical. But what's cool about it, to me, isn't so much the fact that it's vertical, it's that they went with a 640 by 480 IPS display. The 351P, great interface very very accessible very easy to use my wife and son both use it without any issue navigating between games is very simple you don't have to pick emulators and then pick games from a list you just scroll and it's all right there on the screen but anyway it's it's hampered somewhat by a a 3-2 aspect screen that has much lower resolution it's like 320 by 240 or something or 480 by 320 anyway 640 by 480 much better for uh, game systems that were designed to display on a TV, not handheld. So this will be much better for emulating like P, like PlayStation, N64, uh, Super Nintendo, all that kind of stuff, because you can do an integer scale and mostly fill up the screen. Wait, are, are those hands to scale? It, it, the, these these hands in the picture make it look absolutely massive. I think it's just bad. The, these are the six-year-olds that assembled it. Uh, yep, that's a giant oh. piece of wood. That's a giant piece of wood in their hands. They're going to invade Taiwan because of that comment. Stop it, Jeremy. I'll just mm. edit that out. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to. There's going to be a lot of editing, actually. I think the problem is, to me, is just going to be price. When these first launched, they're always like $129, $139. We'll eventually see them for less. I bought my 351P for $98 on Amazon or something. So we'll see them come down. But I just want a higher resolution screen because once I got. Used to the 351P, which was so much nicer of user experience than the 350 series, where you literally go through something that looks like a very old Linux distro, and you have to go screen by screen, pick an emulator, then pick a game. It's it, This is just a better experience, so I'm excited about the screen. That's all. Are you definitely getting the wooden grain? I don't know. There's like the LGR edition. Oh, really? Wood, wood grain. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably get the one that looks like a Game Boy, I guess. The sort of off grayish white one. Off gray. I don't know. Yeah. I'll just I'll just not get one at all. That's going to be my goal. I'm just surprised you had a pick. Yeah. So unlike you. Shocking. Even. Does anybody have anything else? Yes, I just want to say that I actually doubted myself when I first wrote this at leading off with the 11th gen 11700K story. And I'm sorry I did. 
Sorry, you doubted yourself leading off with? Yeah, it? because I had that in the one position, the number one position, and then moved it down. I mean, I could still move it up, but that would take that would take a lot of work. I don't want to do that. No, I don't. Yeah. Do that. No. But uh, on that note, uh, tune in next week as we will likely return for more of whatever this was, and eh. uh, maybe Josh's cat will make another cameo during the intro. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>